Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good morning. Welcome to episode 238 of Hobby Hotline. I'm Danny, and I'm joined by the one and only Dr. James Beckett from Sports Card Insights. How are you doing, Dr. Beckett? Doing great, Danny. Always great to be here on a beautiful Saturday morning. Uh, exactly. Uh, as uh, Pierce Bronson said, uh, and uh, what else do we have to do this morning? This is fantastic. Um so let's a couple of hellos this morning. Everybody's in quickly. Good to see you. we got everybody. Mad City Brew, Stephen. Good to see you, Chris Ramsey. We know this guy. Good morning. Thank you, Rich. Okay. <laughs> um, Philly Joe, guys, feel free to join in. I'm going to put the link also in the uh, comments here. So if anybody wants to pop on, Stukes from Minnesota. Hopefully everybody's a little warmer than the last time I hosted was when it was negative 30 across the country. I think Stukes is from Fargo, so he must go to Minnesota to get to, to get a to get a little warmer spot. <laughs> I've <laughs> never heard that before. <laughs> yeah, I guess from Fargo that would be. That's worth yeah. uh, Um so let's start with an area that, that uh certainly is in your wheelhouse. Uh SGC grading and talking about grading companies authenticated a RPA uh, LeBron exquisite rookie. And if I can figure out how to use this, I will flash it up. And then they showed it on Twitter or on social media. And people said that patch has been altered. Uh, They did an investigation. They agreed. So they regraded the card and came to an agreement with the owner. This is the card. And they labeled it authentic altered. And it says altered patch. And th- this brought um, a lot of mixed reaction from people. One, you know, should they have caught it originally? Two, what do you do once you've already graded it and you still have it in your possession? You know, what, what's the fair way to handle it? Um, and three, you know, how much do we rely on what the card companies give us and how much do they miss that come through the system, I guess, are some of my questions. Um, so I guess, Dr. Beck, to start the morning, uh, what do you th- what do you what do you think? Is this on the is this on SGC? I think SGC handled it really well after all the facts came to light. But uh, and I, I think SGG, S, SGC is doing great. So I, I think they've really come on strong. But I just point out pre COVID, this card would not have gone to SGC. Pre COVID, it wouldn't have gone to SGC. SGC was super strong on the pre war and and uh, vintage. Uh, but SGC's coming on strong. Uh, I I just think it's grading is a lot harder than what people think. And Definitely. so if you haven't handled, not that you had to handle all of the other ninety nine cards within that uh, within that run, but uh, you know, this uh, you know patch switching, I think is 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 a is an art that that I don't know that I could detect. Uh, but I think the well, I, I think SGC would detect it. BGS would detect it, uh, CGC, PSA, um, but it's hard. I mean, these are these are sort of one of ones, even though they're one of ninety nine. And uh, thankfully, there's some uh, policemen out there, kind of that that really observe these things closely. So I think in the final analysis, again, I think SGC deserves a lot of kudos for for making it right. I mean. People keep saying that grading is just an opinion. No, it's an expert opinion. And uh, my hope is, just like at BGS, which I have more familiarity with, that when a card like that comes in, it's not just looking at at, at the, 
one grader or the or a less experienced grader. It's probably a, a team effort. But they but these kind of things can get past the whole team. Yeah, like you said, also how many have you graded in the past and how well do you know the card? Um Chris Ramsey said, How do they determine the patch on the card was altered? Um, I know it was from the public catching it on social media. I do not know the details. If anybody does, please put it in the comments or come on. Well, uh, well I mean, basically, if it's serial numbered, you have, I mean, this is what's helpful for all of the grading companies is they have more and more uh, sophisticated digital photography that, that has resolution that they can see, not that the patch was doctored, but they may, there may be something on social media where that exact serial number was pictured with a, with a plain patch. Um, Why mess with it? Gee. Uh, well, that's that. That's a whole separate point. Yeah. Um, I think this is a great question because you just made the comment that that grading is a lot harder than people realize. And um, the the question for you is, what do you think is appropriate compensation? At what level for card graders is it more of a skilled wage, more of an entry level wage? Uh, how, how's that for the for putting you on the spot? Wow, that's uh, yeah. I I love that question, but you know they. Uh, yeah, graders should be paid minimum wage. Come on, guys. Do you not think this is this is not uh, – they're not – this is very sophisticated. You have to have knowledge of the hobby, knowledge of uh, printing technologies. There's a lot of training that goes into it. So there, the question is uh, – This is the, the more interesting question to me is not that it shouldn't be a skilled wage and it'd be a reasonably highly compensated job because they have all other alternatives. So my question that we, we dealt with is, should there be some incentive compensation for speed? And the answer we came up with is no. <laughs> you can't pay people more to if they can grade faster. You want them to grade as fast as they should grade, appropriately fast. You can go a little faster on the simpler cards, complicated cards like this. Uh, you, you don't want to pay them a bonus based on the value of the cards or the speed that they grade. You just want them to do a good job. And I know what we did. We had a lot of checks and balances to uh, audit is probably too, too strong a word, but there's a lot of looking over the shoulder of making sure that even a veteran uh, a grader uh, needs somebody to say, Hey, did you see that there? Or, or uh, let's take a little bit more time on that. So it's really tricky, and uh, and now there's a little more mobility. There's so many grading companies out there that uh, people can 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 jump, or you can make money on your own. If you're a really good grader, you don't, and you quit working for a grader, you can make pretty good money buying raw cards and pre-grading them yourself. So very tricky. All right, we got Mike. Good morning, hey, Mike. <laughs> I guess better late than never, right? Absolutely. How are you doing this morning? I'm good. It's uh nice. Looks like it's going to be a nice day. We had some storms last night and looks like it's going to be a nice day today. We're talking a little card grading. Uh, SGC had authenticated a LeBron RPA patch and then had to go back and uh, market uh, altered after uh, social media caught the mistake. So uh, talking about the quality of card graders, how they should be compensated and uh, you know, the role we put on the, the grading companies is where we're at. I know you rely a lot on grading companies. Do you rely, do you trust the autographs and the authentications complicitly or as long as it's slabbed, it's good enough? Well, first and foremost, I thought I had picked a really good patch to put in that LeBron card, but <laughs> I, I guess I, I'll choose better next time. Autograph wise, I think the card company, and really it's only PSA, JSA does it, Beckett, you know, authentication services does it. Uh, look, nothing's perfect. And so I don't take it, it. It depends on the person, right? If it's Goose Gossage, I'm not really worried about somebody faking a Goose Gossage autograph. If it's Babe Ruth, I'd give it a little more scrutiny. Or There, there are certain players that are known, and, and even let's take Mantle, you know, Mantle, highly faked, right? And Ted Williams, Joe DiMaggio, all those guys were have been tremendously, there's tons of bad autographs out there. And so, you know, there, there are certain companies that are better at certain guys. 
that just have a better database that have a better way to authenticate them. And so I think it's uh, on those guys, you just got to be really careful. There's, you know, well, I, you, I, think the, I think the autograph authenticators, I used to do a lot of autographs and it was before the authenticating days, but there are known, these, these are period, they're not forgeries. They're permitted secretarial or sister autographs. And so they have their own pattern. I think, frankly, Mike, that's easier to detect that Willie Mays, hey, that's not Willie Mays. That's Willie, that's the clubhouse boy or something like that. DiMaggio Mantle, all those people you mentioned. Uh, I think the, the authenticators don't have a problem with that. It's the artiste, newer forgeries where people are trying to copy exactly with modern pens and technology. I don't, you can't do auto pen because they can detect that, but something like that, that's, that is made to look exactly because Joe DiMaggio's sister, you just know that's, that, that was done by his sister. In fact, they ought to just slab it and say it's, it's autographed by his sister. (laughs) Hank Aaron had his, his wife signed a lot for him late, you know, in his life. And it's easy to distinguish a Hank Aaron. A lot of his mail through the mail autographs were done by his wife. And those are easy to distinguish. Um, I have several of them, by the way, signed by Mrs. Hank Aaron. What do you do with them? Because you keep uh, them. I keep them as exemplars, honestly. Uh, and that's, I've gotten a lot of criticism for keeping known, not real autographs, like not tearing them up or destroying them or whatever. And, First of all, it's my item. I can do with it as I wish, but I'm not trying to resell it or pass it off as not real. Uh, but I have the famous uh, Joe DiMaggio, Mickey Mantle, Ted Williams picture where they're all three together and it's not real. And uh, I have that as a and really just a lesson for me. Well, well, wait a minute. I mean, let's complicate it further because number one, I've got some uh, triple signed f- photos like that that are legitimately signed by two out of three. And the third one is either questionable uh, or, uh, or inauthentic is rejected. Okay. What do you do when you got two thirds of a, of a fabulous, of a fabulous photo? Yeah. And the the other thing that I don't hear talked about that much is that when the uh, authenticators are denying something, that is an opinion as well. Now it's a very expert opinion, but I've had, and I'm not the only one that's gotten cards back rejected that I completely dispute. That yeah. I know who I got it from or I know where I got it. And I think, again, it's an opinion. And my opinion is it's still good, Mike, but they would not slab it. And I'm not going to go back. I could go back to them. I have done that and said, hey, uh, let me, I'd like you to take a second look at this. This may be an early career version of, of this card or he was on the run or at spring training and he's signing at an angle. And so I dispute some of these uh, uh, judgments that are made. You, uh, but if you don't dispute it, you say, if it looks really bad, uh, but how do you know Hank Aaron didn't say, you know what, I'm going to sign one. I'm going to try to sign it a little bit like my wife signs it. <laughs> I mean, you just, you can't know definitively, but, I'll agree. You're you're probably 99% sure that Hank Aaron is is not good, but there ought to be a market for that. I'd like to see it slabbed as either uh, as a, as an autograph that is that didn't pass, and then you could sell it. Now, if somebody cracked it out, they still have to figure out how they're going to get it. They can't get it to an authentic, uh, legitimate autograph uh, authenticator if it's if it's not. And to our point earlier, if the technology gets better where they can really photo and fingerprint these cards. They'll know it's been through before. Right. Yeah. Well, I don't, uh, but I'm going to send some, I I will send something back through if I think, Hey, that's, I don't agree. I have a question for you guys. Like some of the, some of the uh, resubmission of uh, grading, I got a seven on a card. I think that's an eight or a nine and I can either send it back to the same place for reconsideration or send it somewhere else, but it's not to get a better grade. It's to get the grade I think it deserves because it was my card and I, I, it was pack pulled. And, uh, but you know, usually they're right. Usually they're right. Almost always they're right because they are experts. I have a question for you guys. 
PSA DNA for a long time on their website had a, on the autograph authentication, they said we. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family vgw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus use our proprietary ink technology where they basically would mark every item uh, that came through PSA DNA with some type of UV something detectable on their end. And I ha- I can't find it now on there. I don't know if they're it's still doing it. Dot. It's a micro dot. A micro dot. Okay. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know if they were, you know, I didn't know how it worked. Well, then they've been, they've been very successful because... If you don't know where it is, you can't replicate it. But it's it's a it's it's a DNA something that they have a they have a way to detect. But you don't, and I don't think there's a way for anybody to do it other than them. I've never heard anybody detect one. I wonder if they still do that. Well, you know what? Even if they don't do it, there's a mystique. But I think they do do it because they said they do it. I they've been doing that for a long time. Right. It's not hard to do. But supposedly there's some DNA in the micro dot or something that's unique that you can't replicate. Why can't they do that with regular cards? I think they could. I think they what they're do, trying to do now, but that that's, that's actually adding an element to the card. And so that's frowned upon with an autograph card. There's already stuff added to the card. It's called an autograph, but if it's a regular card, they don't want to do that. I don't know that it would degrade after 50 years. Um, but again, like I can say if it's a micro dot, I think they're trying to accomplish the same thing with, uh, what was it, Genement? What was the one yeah, where they that there was going to be have a the, the kind of the uh, fingerprint footprint of the, they're going to take a high, high-res photo of the card. And at some level of specificity, that card is unique because, yeah. because of printing technologies. That, that, uh, the, the, the ridges, the, the, the uh, topography of the card. I don't know what they're doing, but, I, uh, you know, we, we ought to, well, well, yeah, said there's some research on that. It's good that it's just a mystery. <laughs> that That's mm-hmm. not a bad thing that people don't know how they do it. If it's a deterrent to, to people trying to pull things, uh, pull bad things off. Real quick. Good morning uh, from the sports card shop. Uh, good morning to Rex and, and everybody over there. Thanks for having us up on the big screen. Um, Mookie, uh, Raises a good question. Uh, Dr. Becker, you were talking about earlier, you know, the speed and how graders are are kind of looked at. Um, Are they incentivized for accuracy? And how do you incentivize accuracy? Uh, Because that would need two graders. I'm going to be pretty pretty glib here, but I I always like Mookie's uh, comments, you know. So um, the incentive is you get to keep your job. (laughs) If you're not accurate, you're, you're retrained. And if you're still not accurate, you're either demoted to being a junior grader or you're asked to go somewhere else. Uh, the accuracy, Mookie, is a given. And so the incentive is you keep your job. And if you're really accurate and, other, and you're the go-to guy, which some of the guys that have been there for 25 years are that, then they are more senior graders and that they're, they're recognized by their peers as well as by management as being really, really solid. Um. Rich says, I thought I heard Nat Turner talk about um, a card which was resubmitted to PSA and they caught the alterations easily. Why? Because it was serial number and they kept a record of the first submission. I would assume serial number cards have got to be the easiest ones to catch alterations on um, just because you don't even have to worry about fingerprinting that's already, it's already identified for you. Um, 
if you had an original photo. I mean, you, you need to have the the before and after, and sure. more and more social media has yeah. that. So I, I think the yeah, and it's a good thing that you know card companies don't put out identical serial numbers. That never happens. <laughs> you mean two one of ones? Yeah, that's rare. Obviously, I mean super rare. But uh, well, there's always a lot of suggestions for how the card companies can can do more stuff that's helpful to the collector. And if it if it resonates, they'll do it. But to have this complete database of all the cards uh, that that's a photographic database of here's what every card looks like. I'm not even sure that isn't revenue negative. It, it, it increases costs. I don't know that it would even increase sales. It, it would cause for a lot of problems. When, Rich knows when we were with the company, it was hard to get information from the card companies because they're putting it out so fast. And sometimes the, what they did put out, we double check and see that it wasn't correct because they'd made some change. So it's uh, the card companies, I just wanted to put out put out uh, great cards and the aftermarket can determine, uh, you know, again, I, I just think with all the social media out there, you pull a great card, you're, you're bragging about it, you're showing it. And if a year later, it's got a, a, a bolder, more uh, three color patch in there uh, that mysteriously appeared, uh, you know, that's, again, crime needs to not pay. And people won't do that if they find out that they, if they get caught, they, if they get caught, it lowers the value. So don't do it because you will be caught. That's that's what I want to communicate. Uh, John says the uh, secondary market will never be defeated. Well, well wait, wait, wait a minute, wait, wait <laughs> John it, it, Keating. That it will. It, it's a whack a mole. So in that sense, we'll never defeat the whole secondary of of some of these bad people. But I think we can take them out one at a time. Just like in the whack a mole, I'm going to whack the one that pops up is. But another one's going to pop up, but I'm going to keep whacking till they're all gone. And so maybe it's a never-ending process, John Keating, but uh, it's something we need to do. We need to keep pointing out what's what's right and what's good. Yeah, we can't just throw up our hands and say, well, we're not going to get everybody, so let's not even try. That's unacceptable, yeah. right? And I think that's what people want. I think that's why when stuff goes online and people identify the mistakes, they are reporting and they are turn, you know, saying something to the grading companies. I think the public does want that. Um, by the way, whack-a-mole underrated uh, boardwalk game. Uh, just yeah, make make sure we get that out there. Uh, Rich, <laughs> Rich, you can uh, hear the frustration in this. Take his word for it. It is still capital letters difficult to get great information from the card company. So take take his name, uh, take his word from that. And uh, John Keating says, "Stop using my full name like my teachers used to." <laughs> well, why do I feel like maybe you deserved it then as well? Um, is there a sport that you would like to see more or less cards made moving forward? Okay, that's a good one. Is there a sport that is making too many or too little cards, Mike? Um, baseball always makes too many. If yeah, my true opinion. Um, but I don't mind it because I don't really buy new car. I buy the flagship set, which by the way, I'm, I'm, I like throwing this out there. Uh, I actually, it was weird. I got interviewed by fanatics about the 2024 tops. And I'm like, do you guys know that I'm a vintage guy there? And they're interviewing me about it. And the truth is I kind of like 2024 tops. I'm interested to see them in hand. I think it's a different design. I was trying to rack my brain on what it reminds me of. When was their last black border set? 07, I guess, maybe. Um, and I thought it was, I thought, I think it's a cool design, but it was, it was ironic that Fanatics wanted to interview me about 2024 tops. That was uh, fascinating to me. The go-to guy on modern. Right. Um, by the way, the design looks like Miami South Beach, old school Miami is what I think it looks like. With that neon team name. Um, Stuke says, uh, were there more fakes and shenanigans prior to the age of grading? I'll defer more to the two of you on that uh, since I uh, only had a few years before grading came along where I was really active. Uh, were there more shenanigans or we're just catching more now? It's proportional to price. That's right. It's proportional to technology. So increasing technology, increasing price. Uh, increasing publicity of record sales. Uh, grading is, uh, are, 
hopefully are the good guys. They're catching the bad guys and, and pointing it out. So hopefully we're catching them all. I catch yeah. them all, but we're catching almost all. Yeah, I think there's more shenanigans now. But there were still there's been shenanigans forever. It just it was only on higher price cards. It's all about risk and reward, right? So speaking of which, the Pete Rose was the biggest fake card ever, uh, is Keating's guess, and and that speaks to the price and and the technology. I think. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying is that with Pete Rose, the reason they could do that is they took raw cardboard that was. As I remember, it it felt a little bit different than Topps cardstock for that Pete Rose rookie that was that was uh, that was uh, fake. It was counterfeit. Okay, and you could you could kind of figure out what it was. But they were taking raw cardboard with just putting ink on paper. So there's no downside to that other than getting caught. And probably in those days, well, there was a settlement that they were they were all stamped, as I recall. But this LeBron thing that we led off with, that's taking a perfectly great card not yeah. a perfectly good card but a perfectly great card and the downside there is that if you tamper with it and mess up you've 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 uh, dropped the the value drastically i hope and i think and so that's what puzzles me and a lot of the modern uh shenanigans are doctoring cards that are already you you take a take a, a vintage 7 card and you want to make it a 9 and so you shave uh, one of the the sides to make it perfectly centered, and it it would have gotten a nine, but instead it gets caught and gets an an A. It gets authentic altered, and you've presumably reduced the the value. And so there's a downside. Whereas like the Pete Rose thing, there wasn't much downside there. So I'm I'm more concerned. Well, I, I, both are concerns of of creating a card as well as doctoring a card. I'm abs- I'm against both. Mike, how do you feel? Uh, similar to to Jim, it's um, again to me. The is the juice worth the squeeze? You like he said about the LeBron card that was already a very expensive card. How much delta could there really be by changing out the patch or whatever? That feels unnecessary. Um, I do agree that doctoring or trimming or whatever of, of vintage cards. I, I think we see that a lot more. Uh, I'm sure that happens a lot more because there is a giant Delta, as we know, between a seven and a nine on a 57 tops card or whatever. There's, there's a lot of reward for, for, lo- it, you know, and Jim, to your point, the, the seven might cost a hundred bucks or 200 bucks, let's say. So the risk there is if you get caught and it turns into an A, it's now a $20 card. So you risk 80 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever it is. And then, but you could gain thousands of dollars if it comes back a nine, if it's not caught. And so I think there's more risk reward on the on the vintage stuff. And I, and I think it happens, sadly, I think it happens a lot. And uh, it's, it's, you're, you're, even if there was an 80% success rate, the twenty that that you could get the seven bumped up to a nine, I'm I'm concerned about the other twenty percent of what happens if you murder ten people and there's an eighty percent chance you're going to get away with it. That means you murdered two people that they convicted you of. You're going to jail. You're you're maybe going to be executed in certain states. And so th- there needs to be a punishment that says, hey, I, I'm I can murder these people and I've got an eighty percent chance of getting away with it. That's not enough if, if the crime is enough. But if you've got an 80% chance of, of uh, uh, doctoring this seven and turning it into a nine, an 80% chance of getting away with it, that 20% needs to be a deterrent that, you know what, if I get caught, I didn't just lose 80 bucks. I lost my reputation. I lost my, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what else they can do. It, uh, to me, it, it's borderline criminal. Well, it's fraud. It's right? fraud. So... At minimum, it's fraud. But uh, speaking of being criminal, I'm going to be a criminal. I I promised my wife a day date, and I forgot I was on a hobby hotline. But uh, as much as I love talking to Jim and Danny and all you guys out there, I'm getting. Uh, I'm. I need to. Get, <laughs> I I need to go do what I promised to her. Um, and I'm sorry, Danny. I totally forgot. So it's all good. I'm glad I was able to come on here for a minute. Uh, and uh, at least show my face and not be a complete 
douchebag and and dish you guys but uh yeah we'll talk about you when you're gone don't worry about it i'm sure well it's yeah. like the 80 percent rule 80 20 you're here actually you weren't here for 80 <laughs> <laughs> i was here for 20 it's the 2080 right yeah well uh right. thanks guys i hope you all have a great saturday and uh okay i'll talk to y'all soon see you mike see you thanks um rich said shoot in the 1980s uh hobby icon al rosen uh promoted a tool called don't get fooled because too many cards were coming up short and that was my thought is so many cards were, were, were altered uh before grading you know how many cards are are, are out there that, that were trimmed or altered before the grading company started and let's bring in oh we lost him uh, maybe rich will come back rich come on back if you want uh, so, Dr. Beckett, before the grading company started. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. There was trimming and altering. How, how many of those do you think stayed in the wild? Well, if you did it, if somebody did it, they shouldn't send it in for grading because most of the trimming back in the 70s, and there was some, and 80s perhaps, you know, pretty much pre-grading, it wasn't clumsy as much as it was probably one sixteenth of an inch and one sixteenth of an inch uh, or anything more than one sixteenth of an inch, the, the grading companies are absolutely going to catch that. The problem is now they've got these micro uh, laser kind of uh, shaving things to where they can do micrometers or they, they, they can just shave just a tiny bit. Uh, to improve edges and uh, make the centering a little better. And so uh, the measurement, and then they, then if they flatten them out a little bit, they it can get back to measure. So Rosen's tool uh, did not take into account that if a card is pressed, uh, it can it can then be slightly oversized and then micro trimmed. Uh, like I said, in the 70s, it was, it, it may even, Danny, it may have been more for aesthetics. You know, you got this great card. Yep. You're, you're not thinking about grading and it's a little off centered. And you just, uh, I've had childhood collections that from people that I bought in the 70s and 80s and the cards were trimmed because it just looked better. I've had, I've had 52 tops that were trimmed into 52 Bowman size. Is that a, <laughs> talk about a, a felony. <laughs> I just got goosebumps. Uh, Uncle Rich, how are you? Welcome. I am good, nephew Danny. How are you, sir? Fantastic. I don't recognize you actually seeing your face. It's great. I know. I, I like the box better. It, the disembodied box had some of my most intelligent comments ever. Yes. Um, so you have an easy time dealing with the card companies, getting all the information? I, I don't want to say easy or hard, but I mean, we, we always try to get the information. It's just that there's so much out there that every single day, Hey, this checklist exists. Can you, can we get it imported? And, you know, you cannot keep up. So when I say that is they'll send a lot of information and I'm sure the same thing happens at Beckett with the checklists and everywhere else is doing checklisting, but there's no possible way to keep up. And you almost need a dedicated card company person at each of the major card companies to send a dedicated person or two at each place that does checklisting the information because then you'll have the system set up. I mean, we had that problem 30 years ago. You can't get the, you can't always, and things change even at the last minute. I'm thinking about 1992 score. They changed some card for a great reason. They put an American flag card in that wasn't in the original checklist. 
it became the American flag card. I don't think the other card exists. But still, hey, we made this change. You don't want to find that out when people are opening packs. <laughs> I mean, um, so that it was a problem yesterday, and people change. I mean, I don't want to pick on Panini. They've had enough problems in recent weeks. <laughs> however, God knows they've had enough problems in recent weeks. But every set they have with autographs, almost every set they have with autographs and relics, they change the numbering from what they put in to alphabets. Why can't you just why can't you just make the checklist an alphabet so it comes in or correctly in the first place? Instead of everybody having to change. And then when they have to change, you know, then the eBay listings aren't correct. And then, you know, everybody who can't list the cards. And so it's really helps the hobby and you want to tax the hobby make sure everybody gets the complete information immediately and i mean that seriously that's it's blocking and tackling rex and i were having a conversation you know and i I call this blocking and tackling top series one opens on february 14th that's valentine's day danny can you imagine telling your wife hey honey no we can't go out for valentine's day i've got to go bust these tops one so i can put them on sale quicker before anybody else does Good luck with that if, if you go out on Valentine's Day. You know, yeah. my wife thankfully says, we'll go out around there. We won't have to go out on Valentine's Day. We know that that's, that's too expensive. But it's blocking and tackling. Rex pointed out that he's able in his store to give chocolates to anybody who buys it. I talked to one of my friends who has a store a couple miles up the road. It's not triple. I want to specify that. He can only bring in food for his store for him and his employees. He really can't do anything for anybody else for that. He's kind of locked into, I can only give you cards. You know, Fanatics does a lot of great things. So I don't want to sound, but they can do even better. You want a 10X, think about common sense. Well, let me ask you a question. Most married people, I don't think, have a tough decision. So uh, maybe the, the release on February 14th are for people that don't have dates. Well, good point. Good point. Well, I can stop in and get a box on my way home. That won't be a problem. If I let it sit for two days, it's not an issue. But some people do want to post very quickly, you know, from the box, because the sooner, especially with Top's flagship one, the sooner you post, the better off you are. This this is the comment to top off. Uh, Ironic that Top's was a candy company. Yeah. That would have been the perfect Good point, Rex. We could have had a little bubble gum uh, mixed in. Um, also, speaking of uh, Panini and not to pile on to them, they lost the UFC license uh, this week to, to Fanatics and Tops. Um, now, I know that uh, UFC and WWE have merged as one company, but it's still two different licenses, is my understanding, and WWE has not transferred yet. But the UFC is now going to come out uh, from Tops later this month. Um is that is that big news that UFC is moving or is well, this always big news? But remember, WWE already has a contract at some point to go to Fanatics, right. so it's big news, but it's not unexpected big news. Well, no, it's big news, but it's it's news that was negotiated because Tops had to be already in the works. So this is not a, a split second decision. This is the way it's going. And Panini, whether there was any consideration. Uh, you're not hearing a lot of name calling and things like that, but it it sounds like they pulled the rug out from under them. And in reality, I think there 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 were discussions because of all this other litigation. They don't need to have litigation if you're if if somebody wants to leave at the end of their contract or or make a change. There's usually provision for that. So so I, the fact that it wasn't rancorous is makes me uh, think they they worked it out. And let me work backwards, and, and um, please, either one of you, if they're going to release later this month, when did the production of that set really have to start? Six months ago. I Maybe mean, even well, UFC is a little smaller than baseball in terms of the the amount of people in it. So you might be able to have a shorter shorter timeline, even than six months, to get a set ready. Um, okay, well, uh, we haven't addressed this, but basically, when. Uh, when Fanatics is going to 10x the hobby, that also means they probably need to or, or having the capability. I know with all the people they've hired in the last year that had a lot of experience, they're probably able to speed up the uh, product development cycle. And again, if you're going to do 10x, 
you can't be taking a year to to contemplate making the perfect product. So I I, I feel like yeah, I feel like they're 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 starting to get uh, revved up to be able to produce things uh, you know, quicker. And, that, and that's the example. And as I say, you have a smaller universe in UFC than you do in baseball or football or even basketball of people in the sport. So you don't need as much time to prep. You know, you have to think, you have to think, I mean, obviously in football, you're going to put Patrick Mahomes in every set. You're going to put Travis Kelsey in every set. You may even put Jason Kelsey in every set. You might have a Kelsey <laughs> brothers card, but as Jim and I talked about the Kelsey Taylor Swift, listen to the podcast in a few days. I think you'll enjoy it. Just a little uh, hint of what's coming up, but it's, Still, you're dealing in football. You have 30 teams, 32 teams, 50 players on each team. Even if you're whittling down, you have to whittle down from 1,600. If you have 160 people in UFC, and I'm, I'm making this number up, so don't 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 quote me. But if you have 160 people signed to UFC, that's a pretty easy number to whittle down from. If you if you're whittling to 100 from 160, that's not that hard. And I would also assume not having the team name, the team. Uh... Uh, yeah, logos and that approval process on all the cards uh, has to speed it up to some degree. Guys, it's fast forward in the next couple of years, you're going to be able to put these sets together, the basic set by AI. Yeah. Grab this photo, you know, frame it in there, put in the name, the the team or the or the nickname or something like that. Write up a back. AI can do all that stuff, and so I, I really feel like. The, the complications in in uh, product development are not are not the photos and the names and the art design that can all be automated. What's tricky are the autographs, whether they're stickers or on card. That's what takes time. Game used or match used things. That's what takes time. But just you know, tops now and Panini Instant. You want a card? If it's just ink on paper, you can get a card. I mean, Panini uh, Instant ratios and all that stuff. That's that's what. That's what's tricky. I mean, Panini Instant Tops now, they have their cards out in a day or so after any event. So because, as Jim points out, it's easy. Well, and Fanatics having the leagues as as investors, should, you would think, smooth over the process of getting athletes to sign. Because the players' unions are going to be investors as well. Um, So, you know, you think going on the road and getting somebody into, you know, into their hotel room to sign a batch of cards is only going to get easier for them. Um, not harder. So um, just just my thought there. Uh, Dr. Beck, the question was asked to you in the chat up top. I forget where I lost it. But it was basically, how do you define 10x in the hobby? Because um, that term has, been, has become kind of a throwaway line now. Uh, but what do you think they mean when they say 10x the hobby? I was going to do a podcast about that, but I guess maybe I won't now. Just kind of, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Basically, there's a book that just came out that implies that 10X is by Dan Sullivan, who's actually the mentor, was the executive coach of one of my mentors. So he's a very top-notch executive coach. The, the title of the book is something like 10X is easier than 2X. And basically what it's, again, I don't know if Michael Rubin's read the book or is in the, I haven't got the book, but it just is just coming out. And basically the thesis I think is that if you have a lofty goal like that, you think big. And so, but the 10X is going to take time, but you're not looking for, I mean, you'll take some incremental gains, but you're thinking big. And so to me, that's international, it's broadening, you know, like Rich and I were talking, broadening the market, uh, you know, widening the the audience. And so I I hope it's not 10Xing the price or 10Xing the production of the, the basic sets that we've come to know and love and that have an equilibrium with uh, supply and demand. They've got to keep that. They've got to still treat it like a collectible. So 10X is uh, is not just a slogan. It's an approach to thinking big. I guess that's, I guess I just did that podcast in about 60 seconds. <laughs> hey, speed podcast. Speed, right, speed podcast. So I'm no longer going to do 15 minutes on podcasts. I'm going to do 60, 15 second podcasts maybe. We can, uh, on YouTube, they call them shorts. Yeah. Uh, look, look at Rich. Um, a comment um, up here was, uh, yes, I had the PTSD look when they mentioned the, the Chiefs. Um, sorry, I lost up here. 
the Panini uh, can put it out every six months. That was talking about the cards. Uh, uh, it was about Topps' uh, WWE when they had it the last time in the UFC, uh, when they had the Chrome going back three years. That Panini's only had it for three years. What in three years did they do to lose it, or is it just fanatics coming in? It's it's swimming against the current. I just think if, if fanatics, it's at the point now, fanatics has a different business model. And so I think the, the uh, active uh, players, uh, associations, leagues uh, like that business model better. They're going to get a cut and they, they're, they're buying into the 10 X. Do they want to be that or do they want to be with the underdog? So the hobby's really gone a 180 in three years because three well, years ago, well, Panini was the disruptor. You know, when Panini came in and they did all these parallels and all this color and all that stuff, that was that 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 took especially basketball to the next level by adding these complications. And and Rich and I, we know the guys. Uh, so that 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 really increased the market. It probably 10x basketball over the last 10 or 15 years. Uh, but now, you know, but now Fanatics is not only the going to be the enduring incumbent, they're 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 also doing the disrupting, and they're they they've assumed market leadership pretty quickly, and so Panini is 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 a is a distant second now in the perception of of uh, going forward of collectors. Jim is right about Panini really exploding the basketball card market. When I it's we're coming up on our ten year anniversary of the first synagogue show I did at Adat Havarim. And when I was asking Tracy Hackler for things, I said, he goes, you didn't ask me for national treasure. I said, you're not going to send me national treasure. I asked for hoops retail packs because I figured it was the worst thing they they were doing. But I wanted to give away packs at the door. And I figured I'll ask for the worst thing you have, because if I ask for the worst thing you have, you'll probably give it to me. They actually gave me better than that. Thank God bless them for that. But... I asked them for what I thought would be the the thing that they'd be so thrilled to put into people's hands because they weren't being bought at the stores. And they're, know, they they're, they're, they're entry level type. Uh, entry level. That, that was totally appropriate, Rich. Right. Yeah. But um, you know, they, and Tracy actually went to me and he says, everybody asked me for national treasure. I said, Tracy, I know better. <laughs> You know, maybe for a grand prize, yes, but I'm not going to ask you for national treasure for giveaways at the door. That would be. And, I mean, you can know, you imagine? Can you imagine giving away that be the synagogue well, show of all synagogue shows? But if you did, Rich, you would 10x the synagogue show. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I never really had a 10x that show. As a matter of fact, now and you've been in the new building. If I 10x that building, it's too much. The fire I have, I have, I have, okay. I have to be two. I, you know, I'm, I'm actually looking for a maximum of 1.5 or two X yeah. because otherwise it's too crowded. And when I say too crowded, I really mean too crowded. I uh, wanted to get back to the comments on growing uh, the hobby, the 10 X. And one of the comments you guys both made was growing the sports. And uh, Dr. Beck, you just made the comment about basketball growing so much and Panini growing that. Well, the women's basketball and the women's cards ha have exploded um, in the last couple of years. Caitlin Clark, Superfractor, just set a record of $78,000, most expensive women's basketball card of all time. Uh, with the popularity in the WNBA, but really college products and college stars, um, I mean, is this a, a growth area, Rich? I mean, do you come see seeing more coming through that you know of? You know, I don't know what comes in every day. I mean, I see some of it. I don't see all of it. But I will tell you that if it's a growth, it's good for ComSea. It's good for the hobby. It's good for everybody. And we have women's basketball players are now finally getting the publicity they always should have had. And I yeah. think that's a big thing. I mean, the Carol Blajowskis and the Ann Donovans and the uh, Lu Lucy Harrises and all the great players of the 70s and 80s, even Nancy Cheryl Lieberman Klein. What? Nancy Lieberman Klein. Nancy Lieberman Klein. Well, Nancy got a little more pub because, at least in Dallas, she lives in the area. Yeah. yeah. And um, oh, oh. Ann Myers Drysdale. All these people, they never got enough cards. They never got enough publicity. Now they're all getting the publicity. It's still an accessible sport. 
you know, there was a young lady, I forgot her name. She just dropped 51 points for USC, or USC, I believe, last night. Yeah, Juju Watkins. Yeah. And she's like a freshman, I think, and like, like just an amazing player. And she dropped 50, and they scored 65 points. She dropped 51 of the 65. I mean, yeah. and Caitlin you know, Clark is already doing state farm commercials. Caitlin Clark is going to end up as the number one scorer, assuming nothing drastic happens. And, you know, you, you can always get hurt. Caitlin Clark is going to end up as the number one NCAA male or female point producer of all time. She's going to beat Pete Maravich later this year. Three years of Pete Maravich, but yeah. Uh, guys, basketball, I, I, this, I don't want to make this a newsflash, but basket, NBA basketball cards are not going to 10X. They've already 10X'd. Women's basketball can 10X. And that, you know, like I said, I think that's, fanatics mindset they're seeing college cards in general omen you those kinds of pre pre professional cards that can 10x soccer can probably still 10x non-sport entertainment can 10x uh uh tcgs i'm not sure i'm not sure they can 10x they've already had this huge increase so if you look at like the wayne gretzky look to what hasn't done their 10x already football probably can't 10 <coughs> baseball can't 10x because the basic the, the the numbers are already too big i don't think you're going to get 10 times as many baseball card collectors but you're going to you could get 10 times as many collectors one of the things that that you know is the wnba and somebody put this in the comments doesn't pay as much as it does for the women who go over and play in europe um i wonder with the NILs and the uh, advertising, you know, and the marketing that the players can do now um, that it, it helps offset their income to where they can stay in the States. Cause I think that'll really be what grows the game is if the, well, also stay in the States, they stay in college. If they can't afford to go pro because their sure. NIL money, you know, Caitlin Clark, she's not in a hurry to get to the WNBA. When she gets there, she may, set a new standard, but I, I think they kind of, I think the owners, I don't know if they collude, but there's, there's, I think there's a salary scale there. And when you have these mega stars, it's going to, it's, it's going to disrupt that. And, but that's fine. And hopefully the pile get bigger. So the players can get a proportionate share of a bigger pie. The pile is getting bigger, albeit a little more slowly than some sports, but after what happened with Brittany Griner, the, the WNBA realized they had to pay more money to their players. So the salaries have gone up considerably because they don't want people going back to Russia to get detained again. You know, you know, so there is going to be some of that too. That, that's yep. a red flag. That what happened with her became a red flag for WNBA players. Egg on you know, the for sure. But you know what, when you're looking at the WNBA, is there any WNBA game now, even the, the final the, the last game of the finals. Is that a hotter ticket than anything Iowa right now? No, Iowa so. tickets are en fuego. So I'm just saying, so, so it's flipped. And so anybody thinks, ah, you know, if it's a college card, not a big deal, high school card, not a big deal. It's got to be in their pro uniform. That is being disrupted right now by Caitlin Clark and others. Um, and so be careful what you have, you think will always be true. I mean, women's basketball may be the most successful Bowman U product. Well, on secondary market sale. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but that drives uh, – that will be sold out. Yeah. Uh, even though, you know, but there are, other, and there are other good cards in there, but that's – yeah. You know, one thing I'd be interested in is that on YouTube, a Wild World of Sports actually covered because they – and it, WA, the ABC Network had the NBA license at the time – they actually covered Pete Maravich's first professional game, not his first NBA game, but his first professional game. There's, and you can still watch the video. And it was taken very seriously. If all of a sudden somebody starts covering Caitlin Clark's first professional games with that seriousness, then you know women's basketball has really arrived. Well, they're already doing it with her college games. I mean, uh, she's getting primetime billing. Um, if you watch when she goes on the road, you know, the road teams are selling out with lines, you know, down the street and around the building. 
And uh, Dr. Beckett's right. There's not a hotter ticket in, in, in the WNBA than Caitlin Clark is right now in college. So that correlates with the hobby. Well, that, that's, it, 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 there, there's, there's a popularity there. And, uh, you know, the, the men's college game and March Madness was always a, a bigger deal than a regular season NBA game. Maybe not the finals, but, but uh, college, the college game is, a, is, is, is really interesting. You know, the, the pros, they play the same teams over and over again every year. You know, you, you catch them when they come in town. I've had season tickets. It's not a bad thing. But this is, this is a, a singular moment when Caitlin Clark breaks, breaks the record, as Rich says, which will happen in a couple weeks, in a week or two. Yeah. Rich? I, she's nine games left, I believe. Uh, it'll be uh, like three or four games. Yeah. Uh, real, real quick before we get out of here, uh, neglected to mention that Leaf acquired Press Pass. Um, I don't know if that moves anybody's meter, but uh, they're staying active. I noticed they also picked up the Professional Bowlers Association license. Uh, you also didn't mention MetaZoo, full uh, and closed down shop. MetaZoo, speaking of trading card games, um, that was uh, Steve Ioki was one of the partners in that. Um, they, they've closed their doors. Um, and I wonder if that'll add value, if that'll make, if it'll actually add secondary value to their cards, or if they'll just disappear into the uh, abyss. Well, if nobody was playing the game, you know, there's there's the old rule: if nobody was playing the game at the time, twenty years from now, everybody will say, "Hey, wait a second, these cards are really rare, or rarer. Let's buy them." So there's there's always that long term play. A real long term, maybe on that one. All right. Can yeah. I say one thing about the Leaf thing? It it, it demonstrates that Leaf was not. Brian Gray only that there's some creative people over at, at Leaf. Uh, even though the company was kind of founded or formed in Brian's image, it's now you know moving forward with Brian's same kind of aggressiveness of trying to 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 acquire uh, underappreciated assets. And I I I want Leaf to be successful. I'd like for the press 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 pass brand to be resurrected because I think there's some uh, legacy there. And so I'm in favor of those things. I, I think it shows the vibrancy of the hobby. The hobby's always been this, what's going on now, but then there's always a nostalgic thing. And even though we don't think the press pass is vintage, it's sort of vintage in the eyes of a lot of the collectors because it's, it's old. All right, well, I'm gonna bring it home. Uh, I always love to know what everybody's doing. Uh, on their hobby weekend, because we always do something with cards. Uh, Rich, you doing anything uh, card related? I'm at the office working, so your card I'm doing some work even when I'm even when I'm doing this. I've, I my week was a really funky week, so I'm working on the Sabbath, which I don't like to do, but it is what it is. By the way, Danny, I loved your interview with the rated rabbi the other day. I met him at the yeah. National. He's a cool guy. Yeah. I still want him to run a show in the Baltimore area. I told him if he flies me up, I'd help him with it. All right. Yes, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to get him to. Uh, he's not far from me, so we're we're going to try to get together. Uh, he's David's a good guy. Oh, and I do want to point out for those on the and I have to send out to my mailing list on the other side of the universe. Our good friend Kyle Robertson is doing a non sports card show at the Waters Creek Convention Center next weekend. I will be there to walk around. I mean, obviously, that's not a place where I'm going to go dime box hunting or dollar box hunting or quarter box hunting because there's going to be no sports cards. But it should be fun to see how the other half lives. I tried to get Valentine's points with Diane for not going to the show, Rich. I said there's a show the weekend before Valentine's Day. And, and sweetheart, I just wanted you to know I'm not going. That's a good one. But this is close to the office. And if I show up at the office, I can walk there. So it's a little harder for me. However, I will be watching the Super Bowl <laughs> that right. same weekend. You're, you're not you're not opening Top Series 1? Uh... No, I'm not opening Top Series 1 on whatever that is, Wednesday. Right. Exactly. Down, Danny. I'm ready. Uh, well, you know what? And let this be a good reminder for everybody. If you have not bought your Valentine's Day cards, as I am just remembering, we are 11 days away. Did you Freudian slip that? You said if you have not bought your Valentine's Day cards. Oh, to be. <laughs> Dan, what have you got on the side, young man? What, who's your side piece's name? <laughs> to clear it up before we leave, I buy one funny card and one romantic card okay. every year. So that's why I said cards. You're going to get me in trouble, guys. Thank okay. you. I appreciate that. 
That's uh, our job to get you in trouble. Uh, I, I, I seem to do it on my own, but I appreciate the help as always. Um, any, anything else uh, before we head out? Otherwise, you guys have a great weekend. Uh, I appreciate the show everybody. was good. We had a lot of fun. Go, you know, I love, I, I do want to stress, and, and this is what I'm, you know, when I went on that little rant, I think Fanatics does a great job. I just want them to do even better. Because if you really want to 10X, sometimes blocking and tackling gets you to 10X. Vince Lombardi won all the Super Bowls. He told you, basically told you what plays were coming. They still did it better. They told you what plays were coming, and they still did it better. And they still ran the sweeps, and they ran the, you know, ran the things. And third and one from their own thirty-six, they throw a, a bomb to Boyd Dowler or Carol Dale and score a sixty-four-yard touchdown. And um, if you do the simple things well, everything else falls in. So Finesse does a lot of great things. I just want them to do even better. Now, on that note. Thank everybody um, for episode 238. Next Saturday, I forget who's in the hot seat, but uh, it'll be episode 239, Saturday morning, 11 a.m. Uh, on uh, Bench Clear. And uh, we appreciate it, guys. Have a good one. Thanks, Danny. Thanks, Rich. Thanks, Thanks Jim. Thanks, Danny.